Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. And this month, it's all about retro horror video games. My name is Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? What's up, haters? Uh, yeah, we kind of just fell into this thing where we're like, hey, we're only talking about retro horror games. So it's retro month. <laughs> Welcome to Accidental Retro Horror Month. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're already in it, man. This is episode two. So Super deep into it, yeah. Fuck. Holy shit. What the Whoops. fuck? No, uh, I love it. I love it, man, yeah. Today... Yeah. We are talking about NES horror games. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Some of them. We're not doing the big one, but we're doing some other ones that I think kind of are more, maybe like just as important to the genre, you know? Yeah, well, I wanted to highlight the two big licensed horror games on the system, along with one that's unlicensed horror that like really wants to be. Yeah. So... Yeah. Totally. But, of course, before we get too deep into it, as always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to support the show. You get extra episodes every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, you can go to zerobrightness.com, find links to our Discord server, links to our Bandcamp where we sell music and merch. And, I don't know, maybe you'll find something else there. You know, I don't know. I don't go there. Like, what am I going to do there? <laughs> it's it's not your homepage? It is my homepage, but I immediately click past it. <laughs> you go directly to Google. You type in HTTPS colon slash slash www.google.com immediately. I, I type how to Google and I slam enter on my mechanical keyboard <laughs> as loud as I can. That's what I fucking do. You know mm. how I get down, dude. Yes. Yes. So, okay. NES licensed horror games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who knew there are actually a couple and they're not just like crappy platformers? Well, Uh, (laughs) not crappy, but there's like more under the surface here. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of surprise to play all so today we're talking about nightmare on elm street friday the 13th and monster party Mm -hmm. uh and i don't know i I was surprised to play all these games because like you said there's a there's more going on under the hood to all these games but even more than that these games have such weird ideas and mechanics that it kind of serves as a nice prehistory of survival horror totally yeah and also, like, when you think of these two games, you think of LJN, you know, the publisher that just put out tons of shovelware crap on the NES. Yes. But if you look a little deeper, you might notice that the, develop- the developer of A Nightmare on Elm Street is rare, and the developer of Friday the 13th is fucking Atlas. So Yeah. And you can tell, once again, I mean, if you play these games, uh, you know, none of these games are, like, good. But they're all very interesting, and they have crazy game design. Well, especially Friday the 13th. Like, what a weird, ahead-of-its-time game. But it also falls flat on its face. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, and just like we talk about whenever we go back to the sort of, once again, the prehistory of survival horror, you always come across these games whose eyes are bigger than their stomachs, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like, they've got these big ideas, and they got this shit that they want to do, but it's just the tech isn't there, the design isn't there, you know. But it's always fascinating to go back to these games and see how they tried to do survival horror before survival horror yeah totally yeah so uh we want to start with nightmare on elm street you want to do this yeah um so the first thing i noticed about a nightmare on a nightmare on elm street is that it's four player like holy shit so a lot of people really like put the nes library on the platform i'm not one of those people uh-huh. and really when you think about it the number of simultaneous multiplayer games on the NES is pretty low. Like, not even the Mario games had simultaneous multiplayer. Yeah, true. Um, so when you get a side-scrolling action game that's four players simultaneously on the on the NES, it's, like, kind of crazy. Like, generally, it's only sports games. And it's definitely not going to be a horror game. So yeah. this one is super rare. Yeah, I mean, my sisters and I played a lot of, like, two-player NES games, and I think it was mostly, you know, we'd play uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, mm-hmm. the Capcom platformer. You could play two players, uh, and that was fun. There was a Mickey Mouse game that was two players, another platformer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was, like, some... There was, like, Ring King uh, I think <laughs> was ranking two player. I actually can't remember, but uh, I, and I'm pretty sure you could play Rad Racer two player with a split screen. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more games that were that were single player, and a lot of the the stuff that people hold up as the best, you know, like the Mario games, Zelda, you know, all that kind of shit is all one player. Mega Man, you know, it's one player. Well, they had the two player modes, but you had to take turns. It's the two like player that bullshit. you have at home. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think that we didn't get a Mario game with simultaneous two player until what? New Super Mario Brothers Wii? Yeah. That was just like Weird. a style choice, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, you know what you could play two players simultaneous was uh everybody's favorite NES game, of course. The the king. The king of NES games. Battletoads. Oh, of course. No, thank you. <laughs> Just kidding. Battletoads is, like, probably the worst game ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the worst game ever, but the NES version is uh, especially, it's uh, just... let's say, unbalanced. Yeah. It's one of my early experiences playing a game where it's like, this is not playable. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, some, some nerd's going to prove you wrong. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I beat it in 47 minutes. <laughs> Uh, but so you could do four players simultaneous in this game. Yeah. I didn't wild. know that. And it didn't suck. Um, I mean, there's a bit of flickering, but it's not like crazy slow down, like crushing the poor Nintendo, you know, totally playable. I mean, yeah. it's frantic as fuck as you could like expect, but yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. So the really striking thing about this game, uh, 
I think is the structure of the game. Mm. So, yeah. you know, you, you reference Castlevania in the notes, uh, which is definitely a good way to think about it because it's it is like an action platformer, but with, you know, spooky clothes on. So mm-hmm. and it has a good look like uh, it's got, you know, it's very darkly colorful. It's got spooky monsters everywhere. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't skimp on the on the vibes i don't think uh but it's also not super distinct looking no yeah it's a bit generic yeah it's just like an nes platformer um it has cool music totally uh oh my god the uh the music and like the overworld the hub world Mm -hmm. is like so sick and then when you go to the darker like other hub world it's like even sicker oh man i love it <laughs> but i'm getting ahead of myself the thing that i think is cool about this game is the structure of it which is mm-hmm. basically that there is a hub world in between the more normal platformer stages and the hub world has its own set of mechanics and it's elm street you're yes. on elm street <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so at the beginning of the game, you know, there's there's a big long street that you can go up and down. Three or four houses, a high school, a cemetery, a junkyard. And uh, essentially you enter one of the houses and it's kind of like the first world. Um, inside each world, you have to collect all of Freddy's bones to uh, escape. And then you kind of like fight a little generic boss and then you're spit back out into the hub world so you, where you could go to the next stage yes uh and a couple weird things about that uh first of all it seems that what stages you can and can't go into are random yeah so, the, f- the first time you boot up the game it could be one of the three houses yeah so mm-hmm. there's like a randomized element to it uh and then there's also like different planes of existence. Yeah. <laughs> there's a sleepiness meter. Right. So as you're like fighting all these monsters, uh, your sleepiness meter is going down. And if you get hurt too much or if you stand still too long, it'll deplete faster. Um, you can combat this by getting coffee. Yeah. But eventually you will succumb to sleepiness and wake up in the dream world. Yeah, uh, where like everything's a little more spookier, and all the bad guys have like Freddy's face on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the best thing about the Dream World, though, is that when you hit the select button, you can switch between powers because uh, those are like your Dream Warriors. Like yeah. if you ever watched Nightmare on Elm, Nightmare on Elm Street three, like yeah. they realize they can have like powers in their sleep. Sure. <laughs> so there's like a ninja and like a wizard and stuff. But really, Ninja is like the way to go. Yeah. Most totally. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's just such a weird setup for a game that I think if you were being kind of cynical, you would just be like, oh, like NES platformer, it's probably just a bunch of boring stages or whatever. Uh, this game actually has way more going on. Like the hub world and the extra mechanics makes it feel much more like an experience than mm-hmm. the average NES platformer. Yeah, the stages are kind of basic, um, like left to right or right to left, and you punch bad guys. You have to collect all the bones, which are sometimes like really deceptively hidden in the pixels. Like yeah. sometimes you can't see the damn things, uh, which is a real pain because you get back, you get to the end of the stage and you have to backtrack to find the bones. Yeah, uh, actually, kind of like Decap Attack we talked about last week. 
But it's yeah. worse here. Well, you know, in terms of the problems that this game has, it's kind of the same problem that all three of these games have, which is just like the NES difficulty. Yeah. Uh, it's like NES games, they're notoriously difficult for a litany of reasons that we've discussed on the show. But one thing that I like associate specifically with the NES is like just weird jumping and timing mechanics. Uh, all of these games have like that same feel where like your jump is really weird mm-hmm. and it always kind of feels like you're jumping into an enemy like when you jump or like when you're trying to dodge or like line yourself up right it's just really really difficult to do that uh and of course there's flying enemies there's low enemies there's medium enemies like it's like castlevania but yeah it just like has that feel so when you're just tooling around the stage especially if you have to backtrack you're just like hating life well one of those um nes difficulty things that you have to deal with here is the uh, respawning enemies yes like oh. if, if if you go off screen and come back the enemy's back again yeah and it's just like a never-ending struggle especially on the later stages where you just have to like almost like ninja gaiden like they're always going to hit you in a real inopportune spot and knock you down a hole or something yeah yes classic nes bullshit yeah i mean like if you can think of a, you know a tactic that nes games use to like up their difficulty factor this game has it it has all of them <laughs> every single one of them so yeah. it's it's not a bad game on a base level and when you're playing it you know some of the stages too are, are cool and you know like i got through a couple stages but after that it was just like holy shit mm. like this well, is i feel like um, ridiculous a lot of the bosses can j- just get like really cheap like they do these like dumb patterns across the screen and just hit you a lot and if you're not like the ninja just jump kicking into them constantly you end up just being like a damaged sponge um yeah so yeah if 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 the bosses weren't so like cheap i guess it would be easier to crank through this game yeah well and another thing that once again kind of applies to all these games in my opinion is that this game I assume it came with a pretty big manual, like all these NES games did, that like mm-hmm. I- explained all of this shit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And so, if you're trying to just boot it up and go into it blind, like I have in the past with emulators, and I sort of did this time before looking up a guide, like mm-hmm. you're gonna have no fucking idea what is going on. <laughs> like, just you will have no clue what's going on, and the game does not tell you what to do it doesn't help you out at all basically yeah yeah but it's pretty fun i mean i got pretty far in it i didn't beat it um i don't know it's nes horror it's worth a spin you know give it a solid two and a half jalapenos (laughs) yeah i think what's interesting about this game is the idea of using a hub world the idea of giving you alternate realities where you get sent to I mean, this was all stuff that NES games were playing with. I mean, like, you know, Zelda 2 kind of played with mm-hmm. some of these ideas. And there are other games on the NES that play with these ideas. But I think using it in a horror context is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. to speak, once again, to think about where horror games would actually go, uh, this game is kind of spot on in that way. You know, it's got another world. It's got a hub world structure you know 
It's got spooky baddies and uh, bad controls. Like, dude, <laughs> it's just got it. Yeah, I really want to try this out in four-player mode, though. I would definitely revisit it if three bros were down. <laughs> yeah, I. it would be insane. Like, It might be a lot easier just because so you, you can control all the respawning bad guys easier. Yeah, there's a lot of bad guys on screen, so... Yeah, four players. Mm-hmm. I might help you deal with that. But it's wild, dude. Wild yeah. Italians. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel like this is not the game you expect it to be. Uh, right, I, yeah. You know? like, And I remember booting it up in an emulator many, many years ago and just wandering around the hub world because I couldn't figure out how to get in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is Yeah, you can't weird. just press up. You kind of have to like hold up for a second there's nothing like visually to tell you that you can go into a place or not. So you might go to a place and just like hold up and nothing happens. And you're like, Oh, I guess I can't go in any of these places. Yeah. That's the big problem. Cause there are places where it will look like the door is open, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And you have yeah. to just find the place that you can go into. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, it's not great in that regard, but I don't know. I mean, thinking about an NES game that, kind of gives you a hub world to wander around in and slows the pace a little bit it's it's pretty cool yeah yeah well speaking of hub worlds okay (laughs) (laughs) so we're talking about friday the 13th what a fucking game like jesus christ man and it's so like obtuse when you just boot it up cold and you have no idea what you're getting yourself into good fucking luck buddy yeah so this game is like everything we said about uh, the last game turned up to 12 out of 10. Because yeah. like this game actually takes it to the next level of confusion by actually giving you misleading uh, directions. Uh-huh. Like yeah. when you boot up the game, it tells you a mission objective that is not actually your mission objective at all. <laughs> this game reminds me of childhood. You know, when I would go to somebody's house and they'd have their stack of Nintendo games. And I'd try Friday the 13th and think, like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like, it's, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I mean, um, some people really regard this game as kind of like a misunderstood, broken masterpiece decades ahead of its time with deep mechanics and survival horror gameplay. Well, it kind of is and i mean it's sort of like all these games they're all ahead of their time they're all actually forward thinking but they all play like shit this game is a giant pile of shit but it's really interesting at the same time it's hard yeah yeah all these games are the same in that regard and in this one so what's different about it from a standard you know nes game or a game you would have expected at the time it actually plays a lot like uh, Splatterhouse 3, a favorite of mine, mm-hmm. uh, in the yeah, sense that, bit. yeah, like, so the whole point of this game is that you are on, like, a campground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you play as one of six camp counselors who all have a slightly different feel to them, but also kind of act like your lives in the game. Like, if one dies, you jump to the yeah. next one. Uh, and essentially, the campground has a certain number of kids and mm-hmm. your objective is to go around and save the children. Yeah, uh, you have to keep yourself well because you're all six counselors. You have to keep yourselves alive and the children alive. Yeah, for three days and nights. 
Yes. And so the way the game works is basically you're out in the camp wandering around. That's like your overworld. And Mm -hmm. it's big. It's surprisingly big. Uh, And you can pull up a map at any time. And essentially what will happen is as you're walking around, uh, you'll start, you'll get an alert. That means there's someone in danger. So you pull up your map, you see where the alert is and you head there. Uh, at first there won't be a time limit, just a horrible beeping sound. Uh, (laughs) and then the horrible beeping sound will continue and a time limit will pop up and they'll tell you like, okay, you have a minute to go and like save these kids. Yeah, the longer... Well, it's either save the kids or save one of the fellow counselors. Right, yeah. So you have to rush and go to one of the cabins where the kids or counselors are uh-huh. and fight Jason. Yes. And the longer it takes for you to get there, the more health the counselor will lose or right. the more children will die. And there's right. only 15 children, so when you run out of kids, the game is over. Right. And also, interesting, when you enter a cabin... It's like a first-person dungeon crawler. Yeah, kind of like a fantasy star or something like that. Yeah, so you can pivot to look at the four walls of the room and press forward to advance if there's a hallway or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, inside cabins, you can that's where like time is frozen, so you can switch players. Yeah. So you can jump around the map, actually, by just like going into one of the small cabins and choosing a different camp counselor. Oh, okay. Yeah, one of the strategies of the game is to put your slowest camp counselors around the lake. Because the only way to get to the children is to get on a boat on the lake. Yeah. So you keep the slow people around the uh, lake, and you make the faster characters go out and get like the good weapons and items to fight Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's a ton of strategy at play here. It's yeah. crazy. And like... Once again, you needed the manual or a guide or something, because when you boot up the game, all it says is, light the fireplaces. Yeah. So What? <laughs> if you light all seven... Well, one of the most common items in the game is the lighter. If you kill a couple of zombies, you'll find a lighter. If, yeah. if one of the count, camp counselors lights all seven fireplaces in the seven large cabins, they get a torch. Which, one, it illuminates the cave, and two, it's a really good weapon against Jason. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's what that whole thing is about. It's trying to uh, nudge you towards getting a really good weapon. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it's crazy because, yeah, once again, when you, when you play the game knowing what you're supposed to do, you're like, wow, this is really deep. There's a ton of strategy at play. There's traversal. So there's, like, this big map. And yeah, a lot of areas are only accessible by going to the lake and taking a boat. Some areas you can reach on foot if it's like near to where your character, one of your characters happens to be. Uh, And characters move at different speeds and have different jumps and stuff. Also, as you're walking around the map, Jason is always walking around the map too. You can't see him on it, but he's, you know, he's constantly going from place to place. And you might bump into him in the side scroller sections. Yeah. And have to fight him, and you might bump into him in a cabin in first person and fight him that way. Yeah. And it's really weird. Yeah. So it is like a crazy interesting idea for a game and a design for a game. However, when you actually play it, once again, not to sound like (laughs) a broken record, but it plays like shit. It fucking sucks. Yeah. It's a real shame because it's so interesting to talk about. 
Yeah. So like there's enemies when you're walking around the camp, not just Jason, but just like grunt enemies. Uh, mm -hmm. And if your character doesn't have the good jump, they're super annoying to jump over or you have to time this weird little throw like you can throw shit mm -hmm. at them. Uh, and they spawn in really close to you. So it's like super fucking annoying. Uh, and and you then, start off with rocks and you have to like beat these zombies with like eight rocks before they die. Yeah. It's super annoying and it's just slow and clunky. And then like, yeah, the first time you fight Jason in first person mode, for example, like it makes no sense. Like the controls are weird. The timing is weird. I just, like, didn't understand how you were supposed to actually, like, fight enemies in this game. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. And then um, there's a forest section. Well, there are two forest sections, which are mazes, but they have good items in them. Sure. And there's also a cave where you can fight an optional boss, which is, like, Jason's mother's head. Yeah. And um, that'll give you, like, really good items, but it's almost, like, not worth it. But also, I'm, like, no good at this game. I could only get it to the second night. Oh, I didn't even get that far. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Another thing that this game does is... Um, there's time progression, so it starts out during the day, and the longer you play, it'll turn into dusk and turn into night. And sure. the long, the the longer it takes for you to beat Jason for the night, um, the more difficult it gets because at night, like werewolves come out and like a bunch more enemies, and I think the items also become more scarce. Sure. Yeah, I mean these are all cool ideas. Like the when you write it down and you look at the design of the game, it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. But mm. then you actually play it. And it's like, <laughs> it's insanely difficult. Like, and it's just not fun. Yeah. Um, I do think it's an interesting idea that would come back much later. Well, I mean, Splatterhouse 3 has a bit of it, but I, you really don't see it until more modern games where you're trying to do this kind of time management thing mm. so you're trying to keep people alive and you're trying to achieve goals but you're fighting time you're fighting things getting worse as time passes uh it's it's an interesting idea but it's kind of like a resident evil operation resistance it is like that actually because <laughs> yeah the, a lot of those scenarios you had to do it quick or you were fucked basically yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's just like you know it's filled to the brim with NES bullshit, and that's what sucks. Like I will say, one of the best things of this game is the soundtrack. Yes, once it's again. so sick. Once again, banger soundtrack. Yeah, um, I found an interview with the guy. His name is Hirohiko Takayama, and he talks about all his gear, and he wrote it on like a DX7, a Sequential Circuits Profit 5, and a Roland D50. Which, like, immediately I was like, okay, that's fucking sick. I want to hear that on that gear. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. And he said he was, like, influenced by uh, Morikone and uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto. So, like, you know, like, big names for the inspirations. 
Yeah. The dude is also pretty hilarious because he like hates video games and has like <laughs> no interest in talking about video games. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah, both of these games, uh, you know, Friday the 13th and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street have really cool music because of that feel of like the composers of both games clearly loved great film composers and they loved, you know, music and great horror and suspense mm-hmm. action movies. But it also had to be like crammed onto, you know, whatever the four channels you get on like the NES sound chip. Yeah. Uh, and if you can't even use them all cause like there's sound effects and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, it's got this great minimal vibe because of that. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't work in every scenario like that. Like I definitely remember there being some NES and some Game Boy Advance games where like in Game Boy games where the music just got smashed to hell and it was like, oh, this sucks, you know? But like yeah. these games both have great soundtracks and I think the fidelity and the minimal aspect of the sound quality works really well. Yeah, I think shooters back then were really susceptible that to that because you know, essentially, uh, instruments would drop out when you had to have a sound effect. So right. shooters had, like, constant explosions, which would, like, destroy the entire soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, I don't know. These games, I was both really impressed with the music. I think it's really with the NES that comes down to, could the composer and the arranger get their idea into two voices? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because that's like really what you have, uh, and it's it's crazy to go back and I mean I I just did a project that's coming out soon that's all like well it might be out by the time this episode's out but it's all NES covers and it was crazy learning some of those songs because it was like it's only like two maybe three voices but it's so complex. Yeah, like, I think it's three voices and a noise uh, track. Yeah, so that's how you get like the hi hats and. Yeah, so it was crazy to hear some of it where it's like, this is actually a really amazing, complex piece of music that's like crunched down to fit onto the NES sound card. But I love the fake delay that they do sometimes where it's just like two voices just like separated, just a little teeny bit, so you get a fake delay sound. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, the man, I don't know. It is funny, like, going back and playing NES games, there's such a specific NES vibe, you mm-hmm. know, where it's like the sound and the visuals and everything. And it's just like, even like some of the bullshit, like why these games are too hard is like, Oh, it's so NES, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I kind of love it, you know, just cause the lack up. of parallax scrolling. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, just the flat scroll. Yeah. yeah. I love it, man. Just cause, cause of nostalgia basically, but sure. Um, it's cool to play all these games I think have very unique vibes despite being on the the NES and having the kind of monolithic like NES touch to them mm-hmm. yeah um, this game interesting because it's a lot brighter and like <laughs> you know I don't know how to describe not realistic but it's just like a little bit more like uh, utilitarian looking than the other games because the other two games are just like crazy almost like uh, garbage pail kids like just <laughs> color and splatter everywhere yeah, uh, yeah. which is cool because you didn't get a lot of that and yes this game it's a lot more like trying to be maybe a little more down to earth sure but Jason's still wearing like a purple jumpsuit yeah 
<laughs> I guess like the purple jumpsuit looks more normal with the NES graphics, you know. Mm, yeah. NES. I think it's a good look. Yeah, a lot of times on the NES they would just make something purple for shading, so you're like, oh, okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> He's just always in shadow. <laughs> yeah, dark blue shadow. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know. You know, it do- this game also does have I guess a little bit of uh, Splatterhouse three vibe where it's like as much as I love that game you know you have to mention that it can be really frustrating because of the way it's set up and and the mechanics Mm -hmm. Uh, well at least Splatterhouse 3 is fun to play yeah Splatterhouse 3 the the fighting and the stuff you do as you're walking around is really fun to play Um, in this game I don't know it the mechanics being so crazy I don't feel like it's impressive but it doesn't really actually add to the game yeah, the, the dudes that stand for this game, like, grew up with it and had to, like, force themselves to like it. And I didn't, so I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, do you, do you think that there's an argument to be made that this is, like, a misunderstood masterpiece just because of how much is going on with it? Well, I mean, it's it's super interesting and notable that, like, the mechanics are pretty deep. But it's just not fun to play. So, like, uh, you can't call something a masterpiece unless it's fun. Yeah. I mean, Deadly Premonition sucks, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, this sucks, and it's not fun. Yeah, for sure. It is crazy, though. I will say, if you want to try this game, definitely, like, read up on what you're supposed to do when you're playing it. Like, mm. you're probably still not going to be good at it or, like, get anywhere. But it. I definitely, this time is the first time, you know once again just like with nightmare on elm street i had definitely booted this up in the past tried to play it and been like i don't fucking get this at all <laughs> yeah right yeah. so this time actually knowing what i was supposed to do was really cool because i could mm. actually play it a little bit and get that feel for like oh this is a survival horror game it's actually like a survival game really yeah and and i i recommend looking up that uh the strategy guide by triple zero films because it like really just demystifies like what the fuck is actually going on in the game so yeah for sure if you really want to give it a like a real shot yeah totally oh another thing i have to mention another bullshit platformer side scroller thing that this game does is have multiple characters with like different feels to them but then they Mm -hmm. have one character who has like the mega jump and it yeah. just like ruins the game for you because you're like, fuck, why can't everybody have the goddamn mega jump? Absolutely. Yeah, I think in this game it's Chrissy. Yeah. <laughs> Such a bummer because it was actually the first character I tried because I was just paging around. And I was like, oh, I'll just try this person. And mm-hmm. then like, I was like, the next person that I had to try after she died, of course, after Jason killed her, I picked one of the dudes and I was like, oh my God, what is this bunny hop bullshit? Get me the fuck out of here. I hate this. Yeah. No. Nah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh it is a fascinating game. Yeah. Uh it is definitely a fascinating game, but it's not fun to play <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, Monster Party. Okay. This, so, <laughs> this is one of those games I got at the flea market for $3. Yeah, and then the angry video game nerd did a did an episode about it, and now it's like a twenty five thirty dollar game, I think. 
Yes, this is one of those games. Okay, so first of all, the reason that it's in this episode, because originally James was like, I want to do an episode about licensed horror games on the NES. Mm-hmm. And he was like, there's two. And I was like, there's got to be more than two. Two sounds like not right. Like, there have mm-hmm. to be more. I looked it up. There aren't. But I was like, no, there's one that I used to play a bunch that it definitely is. And then I remembered, I was thinking of Monster Party. <laughs> And the reason yep. I was thinking of Monster Party is not because Monster Party is based on any existing license of anything ever, because it is not. Like, let's be clear. But Monster Party is kind of like the classic NES like video rental store experience <laughs> of like you're browsing the shelves and you see a game called Monster Party, and the cover has a bunch of universal pictures monsters on it. Yeah. Right? Like it's yeah. got a Frankenstein and a Wolfman and, you know, a Creature from the Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon, right? So these are the universal pictures, the monsters. Uh, And you're like, oh, shit. That's like, maybe it's like, you know, Kid Dracula, that game, you know, or something like that. And so you pick it up, you take it home, you pop it in, and it is not any of that stuff. Like, whoever made that cover is such an asshole. (laughs) It's it's kind of like a bootleg Wonder Boy 2. But yes. like it doesn't have any of the good qualities of Wonder Boy 2. Like it's a side scrolling stage, you go left and right and there are a bunch of rooms and some of the rooms can be empty and some of the rooms can have mini bosses. Yeah. And you have to kill a certain mini boss to unlock the exit of the play. So this is the th- third game where you have to backtrack if you miss something at the end yes. of the side-scroller stage. Now, see, here's the thing about this game, though. Uh, I hadn't played it for many years. Once again, I, mm. I played it a lot when I was a kid. I remember playing on emulators maybe when I was a teenager and be like, oh, I remember this weird game. Playing it again now, this game feels like a fake cursed game that someone would make now and make a creepy pasta about like sure this game is actually fucking creepy as shit <laughs> like okay so here's the setup right so there's this weird cutscene, which is tonally <laughs> all over the place that's it's how the game very starts. strange right so like basically you like boot up the game and like you meet this weird monster guy who kind of looks like Goldar from the Power Rangers, like the old Power Rangers, you know. Mm. Uh, I was thinking the gargoyle from Gargoyles. Also that, yes. And so he's your monster friend, and there's this weird cutscene where he's like, "Hey, come with me. We're gonna go do this thing or or something." <laughs> it's very confusing. Uh, and it's like animated in this weird way where yeah it looks like wonder boy where it's like chibi sort of but also like just strange almost like 50s looking in a weird way Mm. uh and then the game starts right and so it's like the side scroller you're a kid with a baseball bat uh yeah you're in this weird weird place like it just looks strange there's all these enemies and then there's these weird tiles in the background that are like cat mouths that you can walk into, right? Yeah, yeah. And when you go into there, that's the rooms that James was talking about. And so, like, you probably miss... Here's what happened to me when I played it, right? I missed the first one. Mm. I went in the second one, and it was empty. I was like, that's weird. Then I go in the third one, and it's this detailed pixel art 
of like a dead dragon that's like rotting and it's yeah. like super fucked up looking and a little text box pops up that says sorry i'm dead yeah. <laughs> and i was like what in the fuck that is some fucking spooky ass motherfucking shit right <laughs> So then I walk out, right? And I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of shaking a little bit. I'm like, "Man, this game is fucked up." So then you keep walking, and the next thing you see is this giant cactus man. Yeah. And like it's just in the middle of the stage, this giant cactus man. Uh and you walk into it, and as you walk past it, the screen flashes white and comes back. And everything in the level is all fucked up now. So the Cactus Man is, like, dead, and he's, like, gory and scary looking. Mm-hmm. All the tiles are now weird and dark and scary looking. The sky is red. The music changed. It's fucking horrifying. <laughs> and, like, literally the whole rest of the game is that. That's, like, you're in the other world, and it never <laughs> switches back. The whole rest of the game, you are stuck in a nightmare world of gore and scary monsters and creepy non sequitur bullshit. Well, it's also very silly. Yeah. Because sometimes you might battle a tempera shrimp or an onion ring. Yes. So, or a rockabilly man who plays guitar at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, w- one thing we didn't mention yet are some of the enemy designs. Like, on the first stage, there are these bad guys that are just like legs and ass sticking out of the ground yeah and they're just like kicking legs with their ass yeah what the hell and you're just like beating the legs with a baseball bat yeah totally (laughs) it's like kind of creepy though like the first level of this game i will argue is actually pretty creepy in like a weird maybe unintentional kind of way (laughs) i guess like the real gimmick in this game is that you can um volley projectiles back with a baseball bat like yeah that's really like the only thing that makes this game stick out besides like the freaky gore of the first stage you can also like turn into the monster guy Mm, yeah yeah which doesn't last nearly long enough no no totally but yeah like you can hit enemies projectiles back at them yeah And, and then yeah like the the game just the rest of the game isn't as freaky as the first stage, but it does have that kind of creepy dungeon gory kind of look to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Amazing splash screen at the start of each level. Oh, like, it's just like skeletons like bathing in blood. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't impress upon the listener who is not familiar with this game enough that... This game feels like a game someone would make right now and release today and be like, oh, I found this spooky haunted NES game. (laughs) Except, like, it's real. It's Monster Party. And, yeah, thinking back to how this game became, like, a meme because of a bunch of fucking, like, right-leaning chodes on YouTube (laughs) making videos about it, it actually pisses me off because I think Monster Party is actually really fucking cool because, like, the first stage is legit scary and the rest of the game is, like, hilariously goofy. Uh-huh. Uh, like, it's just... I hate that shit, man. I hate the whole culture. I've already talked about how I hate angry gamer culture and, you know, gaming <laughs> YouTube is largely a cesspool, blah, blah, blah. But, like, man, that shit just pissed me off all over again because I was like, fuck you, angry video game nerd. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He seems like a nice guy. I hate that guy. Fuck him. Anyway, my point is that 
Monster Party, from an aesthetic and spectacle standpoint, rocks. And once again, you know what? We just have. Can we just talk about this game at some point? Will you just go play Eversion so we can talk about it so I can oh, stop yeah. bringing it up every yeah. fucking episode and sounding like a dumbass? The next retro month? Yeah, exactly. No, this retro month. We'll do it as a bonus. I don't care. Let's go. Uh, Eversion is a game that feels like somebody made a whole game based on the first level of monster party. Nice. Uh, and yeah, a lot of the spooky side scroller eight and 16 bit stuff that we play, regardless of when it was made, uh, really feels like it was influenced by the first stage of monster party. Mm. Like you just, and that's the thing is playing the game with the spooky minimal look and music. And if you're like by yourself with the sound turned up, like some of these little rooms are like legit creepy like <laughs> and yeah once again the structure of the game is interesting because it feels more like a survival horror game in the sense that it's an open environment you have to explore you have to backtrack uh yeah it's a very interesting game i think just saying oh it's a meme lol does not do it justice it's all right well you know the counterpoint <laughs> to all this love i'm giving it is that it plays like absolute dog shit <laughs> there it is yeah so just like every other game we've talked about in this episode i mean like i said it has all of the bullshit nes stuff so like enemies are too high or too low they move too fast uh do they respawn i think they respawn yeah if if you if you go into a room and then come back out they respawn which yeah. like in some certain situations is hot bullshit because they'll respawn on you as you exit the room Yes. Uh, so the other thing is the thing you mentioned earlier, which is very interesting. Like the first time you do it, you're like, oh, this is crazy. Where you can hit enemies' projectiles back at them with the baseball yeah. bat. Yeah. It's, it's so shitty to control. Like, <laughs> it really is. At first, you're like, oh, this is cool. This will let me fight like enemies easier. And then you actually do it, and you're like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> like it's so hard to aim it's so hard to hit it at the right moment so you don't just like always miss the enemy uh you're mm-hmm. fighting all the mini bosses and bosses take way too many hits oh like, yeah they really do some of them it seems like they're unavoidable too so you just have to like jump into them and use your um use your invulnerable invulnerability frames to just like smash their faces in with a baseball bat while you can yeah yeah, it's bad. Like, it is not fun to play. It doesn't play well. But I think, and you know, also, like I said, after the first stage, the vibes are pretty much gone. Like, the other stages, you know, some of the weird extra rooms are still, I guess, a little creepy, but they mostly just get goofier and goofier. As yeah, I would say the, the, the bosses are a real highlight and a reason to keep playing just because, like, you know, Fighting the giant uh, tempera prawn is like amazing, you know. And there's a lot of them like that. Like, you'll fight like a haunted well, you know, things yeah. like that. Or there's one where it's just like these two zombies. They're like, watch us dance, and if uh-huh. you keep killing them, you'll never get out of the room. So you actually have to like sit there and watch their little dance. Yeah, <laughs> it's cute. Yeah, like it's got an interesting sense of humor, and it definitely feels like the whole game was you know, built around just messing with the player, which is really hilarious. Uh, and I kind of love that idea, but 
Yeah. This is one, though, that if you just get the ROM and fire it up on an emulator, just, like, play that first level. It's fucked up, man. It's, like, <laughs> kind of like a great short or something, you know? Like, just a tiny short game that mm-hmm. would be in, like, a demo pack. Like, the first level of Monster Party fucking rocks. Yeah. And, you know, if you see it at the flea market for five bucks, pick it up. Yeah. One thing that is amazing, though, <laughs> and that is totally worth looking up, is, so, the opening cutscene like I said, it's yeah. so weird tonally, right? Uh, the ending cutscene is even fucking weirder. <laughs> like it literally tries to go for like a triple twist ending. And yeah. uh, man, it's so funny. Uh, I don't get it. Goldar like really, really pulls some Goldar. shit at the end. Yeah. Well, I don't know. There's a couple more NES games uh, in the horror genre that we haven't covered yet. There's the um, the Splatterhouse game, which I think is really interesting. Oh, there's yeah. Like a, there's a Michael Jackson thriller boss. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess the other licensed horror was uh, Ghostbusters, but I don't want to play that. That game is, like, hot trash. Yeah, that game's basically unplayable. Yeah. Yeah, no thanks. Well, you know, I think in terms of this kind of subgenre and like things that calls forward to modern horror games or later survival horror and that kind of stuff the only other game on the NES really is Sweet Home uh, mm. but that's a longer and much more involved game uh, and also one that you can actually beat so yeah, yeah. that's something it's actually that'll... good too yeah agreed so that's something that'll actually get its own episode you know yeah uh, but it is interesting. I mean, I had, I had never really like taken a deep dive into any of these games mm. uh, until now, and I do think all of them, in different facets and different ways, call forward to later survival horror, like the open structure, the focus on survival rather than just straight platforming, the, mm-hmm. the aesthetics and. All that kind of stuff. I mean, these games feel very forward-thinking, and I was, in different ways, impressed with all of them. Uh, it's why it's so sh- fun to cover these, you know? Yeah. Like, it, covering an NES game is so different from covering a PS2 game and covering, like, a modern game, you know? Yeah, totally. But it is like, you know, like we said, with a lot of these NES games, you go back to them, and they just play like shit. Or they require <laughs> so much from the player that I can't really argue that it's worth it, you know? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, that's not that's not just these games, too. I mean, NES apologists have some rose-colored glasses for that library. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it it is literally from a different time but yeah. it really really feels like when you return it feels like that when you return to it because now you can just jump on youtube and watch a video of a playthrough and honestly i think if you're someone like me that is going to be more fun cuz you're more interested in the aesthetics and like some of the direction choices like when these games have little cinematic moments and stuff like mm. It's super cool, you know? Uh, I don't know if you actually need to sit down and play it just because it doesn't play very well. You know, there's not a lot to, like, recommend there, really. Hmm. 
I want to play it. I'll play it. I mean, all these... Like, you only have to play Friday the 13th for 30 minutes. You'll never have to play it again. Yeah. Well, and I... I, The way... (laughs) Once again, I mean, we're just on this kick, right? We're just on this, like... This is, like, the demo disc show now. Like, where we're doing these episodes where we're just (laughs) running through demoing a bunch of games. And, like, I think that all in all these episodes we do that's totally the way to play them and that's totally the way to play these like you should totally grab the roms for these and like fire it up and play a little bit of yeah. of these games but i can't really recommend like devoting yourself to like beating any of them really you know totally yeah i mean unless you get into friday the 13th and become a pro friday the 13th player which is would actually be kind of sick i just that doesn't sound fun to me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll watch if, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. And if anyone who's in our Discord or who knows us does that, please let us know because I want to support you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Someone else, please become the expert. <laughs> yes, that's right. Retro Month continues in the next episode of Zero Brightness. Next up is Faith. 2017 Airdorf Games. It's kind of a lo-fi Atari-style horror game. We're reviewing chapters one and two. There's going to be a third eventually that's not out yet, but that's what we got for you. And after that, we're going to finish the month out with Carrion. It's a new, very strange twist on a Metroidvania-style game. Uh, Super cool, super new, but also very kind of uh, Sega Genesis Plus. That's the vibe. Okay, you gotta check those games out. And then report back, and we'll all talk about it. See you then.